guys and welcome back to another episode of the teacher cast i'm very happy this morning it's a saturday morning while we're recording this that i'm joined by the lovely adam barrett mr moon tour off of instagram adam has given up his well saturday morning saturday afternoon um to chat to me about setting up his classroom for the first time um so adam if you'd like to maybe introduce yourself for people who don't know who you are and that are tuning into this episode Perfect. So hi, everyone. My name is Adam. I run the Instagram page Mr. Moon Tour on Instagram. Uh, I'm 25, but we don't talk about that too much. <laughs> I'm, I'm originally from County Kerry, but I'm currently living in County Cork, where I teach. Uh, this is my third year teaching. I spent the last two years teaching in two different SET settings, one at home in Kerry, one in Cork in the that I'm in now. Mm -hmm. This year is my third year teaching and I'm teaching second class this year so it's the first time that I've had my own in mainstream class which is really exciting. Um, I love teaching PE, I love infant ed, I did that as part of my uh, undergrad thesis. Oh, cool. uh, I love everything organisational and keeping things neat, there's a place for everything. Yeah, um, yeah that's kind of me really, that's me in a, a very small nutshell I suppose I, I qualified from Mary I which is probably an important thing to say I did the B Ed in Mary I from 2015 to 2019 did the B Ed there and uh yeah I did early childhood studies this is my uh specialism and thesis oh. um yeah you moved from Kerry really. to Cork so explain why you made that move yeah so I uh, I'm from Kerry lived there basically all my life nearly and it's so I, beautiful uh, in Kerry I love I just love going down there I feel like I'm in another world yeah it is fab in fairness it is really nice but the thing with Kerry is as much as it's lovely and I did spend my NQT year at home in Kerry is that Kerry is notorious for being a little bit clicky when it comes to getting jobs it's who you know not what you know yeah and it's also known for the panels and stuff which I know not everyone is tuned in on but with the panels it seems to be that there's a lot of teachers in Kerry, so the panels don't really reduce in size that quickly. So I found that since I, it was early in my career, I had no nothing to tie me down really, Joy, yeah. no house, no kids, nothing like that, that I would move up to Cork. My partner's from Cork, so that's kind okay. of the connection I have to Cork. Yeah. Um, and so I moved up to Cork, uh, started subbing in Cork and then got the job in the school I'm in now. Mm -hmm. um, so I've been there for about a year and a half at this stage. But yeah, that was the reason really was I wanted more experience and then I wanted more of a variety of experiences because I got to sub in a lot of different schools, different settings, ethos, that kind of thing, mm -hmm. um, which obviously led to my job in the end. But yeah, that was kind of why, because prospects weren't really great uh, in Kerry so I wanted to uh, branch out I suppose and uh, see what the world had to offer. Yeah would you ever see yourself maybe moving to back to Limerick or even up to Dublin or Galway where it's a, well I know Galway can be quite competitive too but even Limerick or D Dublin would you ever move up to Dublin? Um, I don't know. So when I was considering moving, obviously I had Cork and I had my partner up here, yeah. but I was also considering Limerick because I knew I knew Limerick, obviously, yeah. from my four years uh, in Mary I. Mm -hmm. But I suppose I kind of decided on Cork just because I felt that uh, it was new. It was properly new for me. So I wanted the new kind of clean break because um, I'd moved up, obviously, like in the midst in still in the midst of the pandemic, pretty much. Mm, um, I did consider I did consider Dublin as well. I suppose, like with everyone, people are uh, a bit 
uh, iffy about Cor- or about Dublin even considering um the prices and living come costs to and Dublin all that kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> I will be up I will definitely come visit you Hilly but <laughs> it might not be working um because yeah I suppose the living costs was just something that I had to be wary of I knew that if I got to Dublin that there was a good chance that I would get a lot of subbing and potentially a job out of it but I also wanted to be comfortable and live somewhere that I was kind of happy so I could, that's what I kind of decided on Cork over at Limerick and Dublin okay interesting yeah like when i imagine myself like in a job i i i I see myself in dublin or kildare just because i live like you know dublin's so narrow when you look at it on a map so it's very skinny but it's very long so like to get from the, the bottom of the south side to the top of the north side like you're you're taking the m50 but like it, it's actually a huge commute but when you look at it from side to side west dublin it's very close to to kildare so when i imagine myself in a job like i I'm lucky in the sense I don't think I I feel the need to have to move county. So, you know, it is a big thing to consider, especially moving in a pandemic. So fair play to you, Adam. Um, Not an easy, not an easy thing. Like, you know, it's a big change for you moving from home to, you know, yourself being on your own. Well, with your partner. But, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. No, I suppose the the transition wasn't too bad simply because obviously Kerry to Cork isn't that far. Mm -hmm. So at least uh, going home, I could easily go home of a Friday evening and come back on a Sunday and, you know, have my visit home. Like like you said, I have my partner up here. He only lives down the road. So, you know, I can go see him whenever. And yeah. my housemate here is a teacher as well. So we kind of get to bond on that kind of thing as well. She's uh, a teacher in Cork as well. So Aww. we get to chat about that kind of thing. So it's it's nice that I have, like, the, the, the bubble is small. You have the but, Mr. Mentor um, home. <laughs> Yeah, like a little, I, you know, it's, I'm starting to meet more people now that obviously I'm in my job and things are opening up and stuff. But, yeah. it, you know, it's nice and I feel comfortable. And that's, that's all you can really ask for with the move is just to feel comfortable and have your few people around you. Oh, absolutely. So, Adam, I did mention at the start when I we started this uh, episode that we we're going to focus on, you know, you setting up your classroom for the first time. And I was completely blind to the fact that I thought your NQT year, not that it was this year, I know it's not, but just that you have a, your first, I suppose, class, um, which is second class. Um, yes. But I suppose take me back to when you were a set teacher and tell me how you maybe you set up your your classroom because I've been working in third, fourth class set now since the start of the year I've been covering. And, you know, it's not my classroom, so I haven't been stripping back the walls. Um, you know, if it was my classroom, it'd be a different story. But even with set, I just have found it very, I suppose... Um, it's it's difficult to settle in just to even get your timetable right. So setting up your classroom, like where where would you've be- began? <laughs> yeah, so I suppose I'll break it into two because I had two very different SCT roles in my first two years okay. teaching. So the first one, I was in a small five teacher rural school where oh there was only two SCTs. So we had we had five one room people. each. Five teachers, two SETs and one SNA and a secretary. That was it. That's 100 so kids. Cute. Very small. Really cute. Very nice. But um, yeah, so I had my own room. It was obviously smaller. It wasn't the size of a classroom. Yeah. Um, but there was a lot set up there already. And I started that role in January. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really want to upset the apple carts when it came to what was there already. Yeah. The teacher, I'd met the teacher. We had had a proper changeover. So I knew that everything that was on the wall had a place and was there for a reason so I really didn't change that much mm-hmm. when it came to the design of the room and what was there I organized things a different way because 
just the way I like to have things organized. But in terms of the wall space, I kind of left what was there. The teacher that I was covering for, she kind of had a maths wall, a literacy wall, and a social emotional wall. And like, I kind of agreed with that. So I didn't really change things all too much because they're kind of the three main areas you would deal with as an SET. And I was only in the room for 10 weeks because um, that was in in that March, we shut down and we went home and right. didn't come back for the rest of the year. Yeah. So I only actually had 10 weeks in that classroom and then did the rest from home. Wow. So didn't even have that much time really to put my mark on it, but I didn't change too much in that uh, in that sense. Yeah. And then when I moved up for up to Cork and I had the role that I was in last year, and um, the school is so big and it grew quite quickly that we don't have enough SET rooms for all the SETs because we wow. have ten SETs in the school I'm in now. Oh my god! Um, and. Um, obviously a lot of a few of us were sharing rooms but we weren't able to do too much sharing naturally because of COVID and everything so we um, a lot of us set up tables outside of the classrooms Mm -hmm. because there would have been an SET for each class level so we'll say you had a classroom on your left and a classroom on your right and you had a a door basically a a table and two chairs outside the room and that was kind of your withdrawal space Mm. Um, and you could store stuff in the back of either classroom so I didn't actually have a room per se for my role last year I just kind of had a space so I didn't really I didn't even have a display board or anything like that so it was really a case of me and my box of resources and just traveling from classroom to classroom or just having it outside on my little table so I really didn't have anything to organize in that respect then so I kind of have seen it from both sides having a room and not having a room and kind of what you have to do to maximize um space and things then in mm. the SCT setting yeah do you think that would have been much like easier to manage had COVID not been a thing Oh, yeah, definitely. I think that, Joe, you know, like we do have a good few SCT rooms in our school and the school is expanding. We're hoping to get a, an extension soon. So that ah. issue will be gone. Um, but, you know, in pre-COVID times, two teachers could have had an SCT room and they could have just alternated who was taking kids into that room and the other one would just set up outside and they'd swap maybe after an hour or whatever. Yeah. But we couldn't really have kids mixing. Mm. Um, as, you know, like... When we were taking groups out for SCT, we couldn't mix even the two senior infant classes. Senior infants was the level I was working at. You had to take kids from one class, keep them separate from the other class. Okay. Now, this year, it's a little bit more relaxed, but last year it was very stringent on that. Yeah. Um, so you couldn't really have, let's say, the uh, second class SCT and the fourth class SCT sharing a room and then the kids mixing because yeah, they're completely no. different bubbles. So we just had to make use of what we could do. We made the best of it and it worked out fine in the end. Mm. But yeah, it was definitely made harder because of um, COVID and everything. But you know, you kind of just adapt and you make it work. That's so good. I lo- I like, you know, for you finishing your undergrad and then starting into, you know, the working world, having the pandemic hit you where the college hadn't prepared you for anything like that at all. Um, you know, I can't imagine the, the stress of it. Um, I was going to ask, how did you find then setting up your classroom for this year then for second class? Yeah, so I was really excited initially going into seeing my classroom because I had three years of, well, two years of being qualified and four years of my undergrad worth of ideas Mm -hmm. that I picked up that I wanted to implement in the classroom. Uh, And I was really excited for that. Got in there, realised then how much there was actually involved in setting up a classroom 
from scratch it's because huge. I was moving into a room that I, you know, it wasn't as if I was going back into the same room again. You know, yeah. I was moving from senior infants up to second class. So I had to move everything up that I owned basically from one room to another and from home and stuff. So it was exciting, but then it did become a little bit overwhelming. Like I went in for three days before we were back for our Crow Park day so that I could uh, get my room set up. And even at that, I didn't have it ready after the Crow Park day. I had it ready as a functioning room, obviously, but I didn't have everything I wanted done. Right. So it was definitely an overwhelming experience to begin with. But kind of as things have gone on now, I've two, nearly three weeks basically done um, at the time of recording. And um, Joe, I'm kind of happier now where we're at in terms of what, being done and like the whole room is basically a working document so it changes constantly but I, I'm getting there slowly but surely like the setting up process isn't done by the first day of the year it goes yeah. on for pretty much the whole of September as well yeah absolutely mm-hmm. and when you know you're saying that it wasn't done to what you wanted um what what were like the main big things that you had to take on your list um I suppose naturally I think everyone when they think of setting up a room the first thing they think of is displays I think that's kind of naturally what people think about and because I was going back into the same school I knew roughly the way the classroom would be laid out and how many displays I would have because yeah. all of the rooms are basically carbon copies of each other just facing north or south yeah um <laughs> so I knew that I would have plenty of display room I was lucky because we have like slide robe storage things yeah. in the classroom I've been in a classroom have... similar to how yours actually is and mm-hmm. uh, they're fabulous storage units in on the wall oh, amazing yeah it, it, it makes the room a lot bigger because we can store everything away and just use the floor space for yeah. learning you can even put a library yeah, yeah. You can even literally i have a library in the room now which is great um now obviously we have to be very careful about using it um yeah. and quarantining books and everything but it's something that we can use at least and there's more space for it then as a result but mm-hmm. With the slide rope doors, I suppose I knew that I would have lots of displays that I could use, like there's six slide rope doors yeah. that obviously interchange. So I was able to like, I knew I was like, okay, I have six displays there and I had so two displays good. at the back of the room and two displays outside of the room. I Love had two it. boards outside of my room as well. So I had loads there. So that was the initial thing I suppose was displays. And then I had to go into things like seating plan. I actually moved the teacher desk from where it was from one side of the room to the other because mm-hmm. I just thought it made no sense where it was. Well, it made sense for the teacher obviously previously, but made no sense for me. So I moved that over. I was doing, yeah, seating plans, talking to SETs and SNAs dealing with um yeah storage what was i going to put where how was i going to organize books and it was hard to organize that kind of thing without the books in front of you because obviously yeah. the kids would bring their books in first yeah. day um and things like that and your routines and there was just so much to set up initially that it did become a little bit overwhelming but yeah. once i started prioritizing tasks then i think it made it a little bit easier to actually get them done fab so talk to me then about the process was it a deep clean first and then slowly bringing your stuff in like was the room pristine when you when you moved in um so i suppose uh initially the the school was deep cleaned over the summer before i came in so there was mm-hmm. no cleaning on my part unless there was just stuff i wanted to rearrange yeah. etc so in terms of um hygiene cleaning it was fine it mm-hmm. was clean it was up to standard um i suppose when i went in there i suppose everything was organized the way that suited the previous teacher yeah. uh, and that just didn't suit me yeah. <laughs> so I kind of had to start from scratch I emptied 
every single thing out of the slide robes and every single thing out of the art presses, put them on the floor and the tables. I was sat in the middle of them. I looked like a madman, but you know. <laughs> and I I just went out. I was like, okay, these need to go here. Do you know, the books were kind of all over the place. I set up a library because there wasn't a library in there previously. Do you mm-hmm. know, I was organizing the books that were there by subject area. I was putting in my own resources into the slide robes I was organizing the the art presses kind of by the art strands and what I would need for each strand that kind of thing and yeah the previous teacher hadn't done that but obviously they had a system that worked for them yeah so uh, I had to do then what worked for me so there was a lot going on in that respect so it was a lot of cleaning in terms of reorganizing and then kind of getting to the likes of the displays and how I wanted the room to look and that kind of thing from there yeah really cool you said you set set up a library yourself did you have to bring in the bookshelf yourself or was that already no, I was very lucky that there was um a bookshelf about three or four shelves high a decent size one probably from the floor up to the height of a whiteboard basically yeah is roughly how you could see it and it was being used for teacher storage by the previous teacher but then when I moved the desk um the teacher desk over to the other side of the room the um the shelves were just there so I took the books from that were being stored in the slide robes which gave me more room in the slide robes yeah and I put them on the the different um what are they called shelves for the um for the library and then I had three baskets at the bottom of the library um one was for you know quarantining on day one and then after day one they would move into the day two basket and after day two they would move into day three basket and once they quarantined for three days then they would go back on the shelf and I had a different group in charge of the library each week. So yeah. if they were done and uh, their work or if they um, just, yeah, I didn't have something to do for a minute, I'd say, okay, one of you can go over and reorganize the library and move the books from basket to basket or back onto the shelf. I love that. Yeah, I've been in so many classrooms, Adam, where there is no library. And, I, and like the, maybe the school itself has a library. But like, I think it's important to have a selection of books actually on display in your classroom because I just think it, it, look, it looks you know physically nice but also it you know makes students think oh I might go over to that bookshelf and read a book um you know as much as you know it's handy storing them behind those kind of sliding um what do you call them sliding storage slide robes slide robes (laughs) yeah as much as it's like convenient and handy to have them in behind there it's still hiding them you know I think it's something that needs to be out on display so um after setting up your classroom then what are some essentials that every classroom needs for second class do you think um I suppose like how long is a piece of string I suppose there's so many things that you could have Mm -hmm. for your classroom where would someone begin yeah I suppose the first thing and it's not a physical thing necessarily but a classroom management plan yeah was kind of one of the first things I came up with because I was like okay so the content will be covered. Yeah. There's plans in place in the school on how to cover the content. Obviously, you can implement some of your other things, but you need a good classroom management plan in place to uh, run the classroom to make mm. sure it's effective uh, or else everything's just going to go crazy and you're not going to get anything covered and it's just going to be a long old year. Mm. So I would say that's the main thing, honestly, would be a good classroom management plan, something that the children can be motivated by and make them work hard for and that kind of thing. And another thing would probably be a visual timetable. Mm -hmm. And like I'm in second class and I still find that it's really useful for the children to have a visual timetable. So I have it on the board from top to bottom and I have the little cards. I I just made up the cards myself with all the subjects we do or books or whatever. And Mm -hmm. then they know what's happening during the day. And I have a little paper arrow that's stuck on with a magnet. So I move the arrow down then every time we move on to a new subject. So the kids aren't sure what we're on or what time of the day it is. 
then they can look at that. So it saves them being like, when are we going to lunch? Or when are we going to sauce? Or what time is it? Or when are we doing art? Because yeah. I'm like, look at the schedule, look at the schedule, look at the schedule. I'd be blue in the face from saying, look at the schedule. <laughs> still, um, at least after a while, then they're like, okay, we just need to look at the schedule yeah. instead of actually, um, instead of actually just constantly talking and asking Adam what we're supposed to do because they go they do call me by my first name so it is I, I, I they will be like Adam where why are we doing art I'm like schedule but eventually we're kind of into it now where they're like okay we just need to look at the schedule and stop asking I share on the Instagram page um quotes and I think I'll probably be sharing Adam look at the schedule um on the Instagram page so um yeah no I think that's uh that's funny that's my quote yeah I feel like I said like it, as time has gone on, I've had to say it less because the kids are like, okay, there's a schedule. We actually just have to look at it. Yeah. Um, but between that and I'm waiting, it's probably the thing I say most yeah. <laughs> during the day. Yeah. That's <laughs> or who's going to get the marbles because there's marbles involved in the classroom management. I'm sure we're going to that. <laughs> but um, I'm losing mine. But besides that, but yeah. So the schedule is great because um, like initially I put it in place because I have a few children who are on the autistic spectrum and I know that a visual timetable even though obviously it doesn't work for every child because as we know when you met a child with autism you met one child with autism yeah and um but I was like okay this is something that's common so I'll try and if it doesn't work I'll just take it down but all of the children actually really resonate with the with the visual timetable because even if they can't see the writing underneath where it says okay we're doing english or writing whatever they see the symbols joe you know, i might have a pencil for writing or whatever mm-hmm. and they eventually just associate what's going on and our, our schedule kind of runs similarly every day anyway so yeah. they're kind of used to that so yeah i would definitely say class management plan and a visual timetable no matter what the age to be honest mm-hmm. for the visual timetable they will appreciate it uh and yeah they were kind of the core fundamentals starting out love it what um I know you mentioned you had your slide robes in your classroom, but what are the the displays that you have on those slide robes and maybe outside your room? What what kind of things do you share outside your classroom on yeah. the two display boards? So I have, like I was saying, I have six slide robe doors. I yeah. suppose that change, and sometimes they cover each other. But I was still going with the six yeah. independent. So the one closest to my desk is um it's just labeled teacher i have like a heading above them all so it has uh my list of children and um, just their first names for gdpr reasons mm-hmm. um my timetable the sct's timetable the timetable of the teacher next door so mm-hmm. i know what's going on there yeah because there's two second classes um i would have my list of kids who have um been group leader or have been the secret students again another class of management i'm sure we'll just we'll do all that in one go um and yeah, I'd have all my teacher kind of stuff on that one. Then, mm-hmm. then I'd have a literacy one where I have, you know, if we're we do the building bridges uh, program of understanding for reading comprehension. So we would have okay, what um, what strategies for comprehension are we working on yeah. this week? Um, so we'd have them up there. Or if we're learning about nouns, I'd have something about nouns. Um, or anything basically that we're covering in literacy that week or that month. I'll have as part of the literacy display. Same with the Gaelica display. Then I have we we follow Aberlum for our um, Gaelica curriculum, so I would have the flashcards that you get with the Aberlum pack, and I would put up the flashcards of the vocabulary that we're covering that week on the Irish one. And I also have the phrase strips or the sentence strips that you can get from Mister Price, and I would write if there are any kind of um, sentences or phrases that they should know. Yeah. Uh, 
I'll write them on them. So at the moment, we're literally just working on or reinforcing Kodasanandit and Kanishu. So okay. they're still up at the moment, even though they're not related to what we're covering in the book. I still want them to, I'm like, they're fundamentals. We need to work on them. Yeah. Then I have a, a maths display. And at the moment, what's on that is we have 100 square because you can't have a classroom without 100 square. And I also have, we were doing number bond, 10 number bonds. So like numbers that add up to 10, so 0 and 10, 1 and 9, etc. Mm-hmm. And when I was... Um, watching the enriching planning and productivity event that Julie put on a couple of weeks ago. Um, teacher Julianne had this rainbow thing. So we'll say the first line of the rainbow was red naturally and the zero was in red and you would draw the rainbow over to the 10 and that was also in red. So you knew, okay, if they're the same color, it means they add to 10. Mm-hmm. And so you did that for orange, yellow, green, blue, and so on. And then the children were able to see visually, okay, the colors or the numbers that are the same color they add to 10, so they're a 10 number bond. So that was yeah. kind of a nice visual thing that we had on the maths display. Then we have our rewards display where I have um, the symbol for the secret student, which is literally just the eyes emoji that you can find on the, the iPhone. Um, so to remind the student, oh, we're, I'm looking out for my secret student now. Um, I suppose I'll probably just explain it while I'm here. Um, the secret student basically is at the start of the day, I pick um, I pick one student and I don't tell the students who it is. Mm-hmm. And I have to see if they're working hard, following our class rules, being kind, um, being nice on the air, that kind of thing. And if the at the end of the day, I feel like they've passed the test, I will give their group um, three marbles towards um, their goal. And I'll explain that in a sec. Yeah. Um, and if they don't reach it, I don't tell the children who it was. So okay. there's not a case of, oh, Haley, you didn't get your marbles today. <laughs> and then they're all ganging up on. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. the children would get very upset by that. Yeah, no, so we course. did have an instance in the first week, because I did want to enforce it properly in the first week where one of the children didn't get it. So I literally was like, okay, the student, secret student today actually didn't get their marbles. But I said, um, I'm not ticking them off the list to say they've been secret student because I want them to get the marbles. And so I actually just put that student on the following day and they actually got it, but they didn't know they hadn't got it the previous day. Okay. So it's not as demoralizing. Yeah. Um, and so then the whole class are like, oh, we all have to be better tomorrow just in case. So we don't, because we don't want to get the marbles two days in a row. That's um, actually really good. So that reminder is there. On the rewards display, I also have a scoreboard for the marbles. So in my classroom, the children have to earn marbles for their group. They have a little container where they earn the marbles. Um, and I tot up the scores at the end of each day just so they can see who's winning and who's behind. And then that might motivate the people that are behind to yeah. catch up. Yeah. And it might mo- motivate the people in front to stay ahead. Um, and then the group at the end of the week who have the most marbles, they become the VIPs, the very impressive pod. Oh, yeah. um, that is from Kira's classroom, that yeah, one. I, I that. um, that's where I got that idea. I recently posted about it on Instagram. And they get a little caddy on their table for the week, which includes like pencils and colors and twistables and this big rubber that's about the size of my head and a sharpener that looks like chips. And <laughs> Literally just random things like that and a few fidgets, the poppets, and they love them. And they know they can only use, they can use the stationery in the VIP caddy when they need to, but they can only use the poppets if they're on a break or if they finish the work. So there's clear rules with that. So the kids love that because they're weak for the VIP caddy. They are obsessed (laughs) with it. So they're mad to earn the marbles, which is great. The fact that it's working that well is amazing. Yeah. So that's also on my rewards display. And I also have our class contract, which we made on day one. Yeah. We came up with the rules together because I think that's way more important than you enforcing your own rules. The children came up with their own rules. I guided them, obviously, some of them were going off on tangents. 
Mm -hmm. uh, very specific rules, but we kind of mm -hmm. came up with five broad rules. The children all signed their name to the contract. So I'm like, okay, you've signed the contract now. That means you have to follow the rules because you've signed it. And it means it's, it's not, it means it's legally binding. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so that's my rewards display. And then the final slide drop then is our perfect page display. So um, this varies from school to school, but in our handwriting policy for our school it shows us how the pages should be laid out for english or like a normal writing copy and for a maths copy mm -hmm. so i have like a a3 version of their copy on the display with how their page should look so nice. um because handwriting is part of our school self-evaluation at the moment so we work on that for that one how, um, two... how did you Sorry, make those perfect page like so big did you just draw them out yourself um, so what I did was I actually photocopied one of the kids' copy books, just like a page of it, but blew it up to A3 size. Okay. Just a blank sheet. And then yeah. I drew in it myself. Now you could draw in it first and then blow it up, mm. but then you're drawing on a kid's copy. So you have to kind of work with it there. So I used one of the kids' copies, blew it up to A3. Thankfully, mm. the secretary knew how to do it because obviously I had an emotion a little bit. <laughs> and then I drew out the perfect pages, but instead of using like a red pen, which the kids are supposed to use, I used a very thick red marker. So it was kind of obvious, obvious yeah. what you have to do. And you could see it from any angle of the room. I love that. And I did that for the, the lined copies, the writing copies, or the the maths copies basically and yeah. they were the so they were the six slide drops then and at the back of the room i've loads of displays i know some people are like how does he have so many displays in the one room you've so much um, space I have two <laughs> yeah honestly uh, i have two displays at the back of the room one is for art obviously it changes a lot i also have my drama contract on our art um display board because i've nowhere else to put it being perfectly honest but it's also it kind of ties in so it works and um i also have my wow work wall at the back of my room so each child has a colored piece of paper um, stuck to the back wall or the back display and there's a little paper clip on that paper so if they're really proud of some artwork that isn't going on the wall for whatever reason or it's just come off the wall or if they're really proud of their handwriting or their story writing or anything i can photocopy that and we put it on the paper clip on their piece of paper on the wild work wall so we're able to interchange it really easily it's not a case of sticking something up and down the whole time mm -hmm. and the children are in charge of it by putting it up like i'll put it up for them but they are in charge of deciding what goes on the wild wall so about half the kids now already have got something on the wild wall for their work and what i've done is i said okay there's three criteria for the wild wall um i think it's that we're proud of the work that we're confident in our work and that we tried our best so I have them in the hearts um, from your positive affirmations display, Haley. I have the three hearts on the display. So I'm like, okay, if you think that you have you know, those three hearts, if they apply to your work, then you can put it on your your web space on the web wall. Um, so that's lovely. I love doing well work. I have a birthdays display then, which is just on the wall, mm -hmm. fairly standard. I have the balloons on the wall and I have clothes pegs with the kids' names on it and the dates of their birthday. So they can, um, you know, we can all see visually when someone's birthday is coming up. Yeah. Which is really nice. And then outside the room, which is the final one, I have two big display boards, but I didn't really know what to call them. So I have a, dis yeah. I have a heading going across both of them because they're side by side. Yeah. And it's just called Look What We Can Do. And it has two like eyeballs on either side of it. I love that. Um, so basically it's vague. So I can put up anything. At the yeah. moment we have extra art. I was doing the color wheel, that's up. And we were making recycling posters. So they're up there at the moment. So because it's so vague, uh, we can basically put up anything. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to keep that fake because I knew 
and because it's outside the classroom i knew other classes would be walking past looking at it so i was like right we want something that's vague so we're not stuck to something yeah. if we're covering a theme we might use that the boards for that but it's nice and vague and i think that works a bit easier and yeah that's all my <laughs> that's all of my 712 displays that i have in my room at the moment just on the wow wall do you have their names besides like <laughs> yeah so what I've done is, so every child has a, a coloured piece of paper and I did it in a pattern so it looked kind of nice on the wall. Um, and their name is in the bottom right-hand corner. I did it in marker. Mm -hmm. And so it's put up with thumbtacks, obviously. And then I put a paper clip on top of that piece of paper okay. at, the, at the top of it. Yeah. So then you just slide in the piece of paper or the work onto okay. that yeah. paper clip. So then it's easy to take it on and off. So each child has a space on the web wall with oh. their name on it. And they can put up work if they're proud of it. Like I know the first day I said it, literally one of the children was like, I really am happy with this story that I wrote. So I was like, okay. I was like, I don't even mind if it's you know, good, bad or indifferent. Um, I was like, you're proud of it. So we're going to put it on the wall. Do you know what Aww. I mean? It's because there's no point in being like, look at the state of this. No, you're not putting it up. It's <laughs> their wall. It's they're taking ownership of that. You know, they're second yeah. class. So there's only so much they can take ownership of really. Yeah. But I want them to be proud of their wow walls. So they put up stuff they really like. Yeah. Like I was taking down artwork that we did on week one because I was putting up something else that we did. And I said, okay, I said, I'm going to mine these and I'll send them home at some stage. But I said, does anyone want to put their artwork on their wow wall? And then a few of them wanted it and a few didn't because some of them just don't like doing art and that's fine. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's nice. It's an evolving thing and it changes constantly and it's something the children can take ownership which is on, which is great. That's so good. You mentioned that you had to set up, um, well, you went in early, like three days early before yeah. uh, school started. So you you had a, a functioning so that students could come in and you had made your seating plan. So mm -hmm. was this done, you know, you know, how did you how did you decide where students were going to sit? Like, you know, obviously you had your list of names, um, but what, what did you do to, to make your seating plan? Yeah, so normally I suppose if you know what class you're going to have the following year, which I didn't going away on summer holidays. I had my interview the day after we finished for the okay. school year, so I didn't know what class I was going to have. Yeah. So for that reason, I hadn't had any discussions with the previous teacher that had yeah. had that class. So what I did initially was I went to management and I said, OK, what's the story? Do we need smaller? Do we need more groups, but smaller groups? Or do we or can we go with whatever? And they said, you can do what you want once the groups are spaced out themselves. Mm -hmm. So I have 28 in my class this year. So I kind of went with the most logical idea, which was four groups of seven kids. Okay. So then once I knew uh, what I needed, I got the chairs and the tables and then setting up the plan. What I did was I spoke with the previous teacher. I spoke with the SNA for that level because they had actually moved up with that class so she knew um, what they were like and then I looked at their reports and their um, documents on Aladdin mm -hmm. to kind of see what they were like you know I was trying to keep the chatty ones away I was trying to mix the boys and the girls and the SNAs take a few of the children on like movement breaks so we wanted to put them in the same pod so it was a bit easier for the SNAs to take um, the few children on their movement breaks instead of having to get one from one table and one from another table and one from another table. Yeah. So like we we can't change it every month. I'd love to change the seating every month, but we can't obviously with COVID, but we can change it. I think again a Halloween or else Christmas when there's a significant break basically yeah. that the stuff can quarantine and whatnot. So that's kind of the way I went about it. Went to management, then spoke with the other teachers um, 
spoke with the SNA and then I just kind of looked at what was on paper because I had nothing to judge the kids off of bar that because I, I didn't know them. I knew one of the kids, that was it. Um, I looked at medical needs. I had one child who, um, one child who's hard of hearing, so I knew he needed to be towards the front of the room. Mm-hmm. And I have one child that's visually impaired, so I knew he had to be facing me front on rather than from the side. So it's a factor those things in as yeah. well. So there was a lot of different factors really. And it's worked well so far. Like I've had to move a few people within their pods because people are beside other people are just too chatty. But yeah, I kind of just went about it. It takes a little while, but yeah. you kind of get into the groove of it uh, eventually. Absolutely. I love that. Um, your resources. So like, obviously you have your displays and stuff, but you know, you, you don't have like a Mayfane resource up all year round. So how do you organize your resources and how do you, you store them and keep them, you know, safe? Yeah, so I suppose from with my own resources at the moment, they are in the boxes that I brought them in. So I have my organize, I have my resources organized by subject pretty much. Mm-hmm. So I have a load of literacy resources. So they're just all in one box and they're labeled with what they are, whether it's a team or a display or whatever. Mm-hmm. I have another box for Gwail again maths. I have another box for um job history science, drama, music, and art, I think is all in the same box. And I have like a displays box and classroom management and other kind of miscellaneous things in another box and I have a box of Mm -hmm. storybooks as well so my stuff is in boxes at the moment I'm not really mixing it with the stuff that's in the classroom just so I know what's mine what's not and then with the resources that are in the classroom like I said I have the slide drops so I have lots of room so I just organize the resources or the books by subject okay and that's kind of the best way about it because I have half the slide jobs, I suppose, for organising resources and the other half for organising the children's books and copies because we mm. keep most of them in the slide robes so that there's not much on the desk. And then the group leaders come over, get the bundle of books they need and bring them back over to give them out. Yeah. Um, so I kind of organise my subject and then with my own resources, I keep them separate. I can go check if I need them. Eventually, I suppose if I'm permanent in a classroom, what's in the school and what's mine will probably merge into one. Mm. But at the moment, when I know that realistically... Obviously, I'm not permanent at the moment, so I'm yeah. moving a lot. So I don't want to be yeah. emptying everything into the classroom to empty it back again. Yeah, so yeah. I kind of keep my stuff separate that way. Lovely. You mentioned as well, Adam, that you when you first moved into the classroom, that the teacher's desk was in a different place. So you moved it there then to a space where it suited you better. How do you keep your desk space neat and tidy? Because for me, what I've noticed, I've especially um, working the few weeks in set, I just have sheets everywhere between, oh, that's assessments. This is what I need to review this. And maybe it, it might suit one child, but not another child. And it's just it just can be chaotic. So how do you keep your desk space neat and tidy? Yeah, like week one, you couldn't see my desk. And I was kind of at peace with that. So I was like, it's just chaos, utter chaos. I suppose what I do with the on the top of the desk is try and keep it as minimal as possible. Obviously, like I said, I'm lucky I have a lot of storage space. So in behind the teacher display that I spoke about earlier, Mm. I have all my curriculum books, all of my teacher manuals, any random bits like that. They're all in there. So they're out of the way straight away. Yeah. Then I have a little wheelie like set of drawers underneath my desk there's like three small drawers that's where I keep my laptop for the when I'm in school or like staplers and random bits like that sheets that I don't need um I have an iPad for the class that kind of thing so then on the physical desk itself all I have is the marbles in jars that I'm giving out to the kids Um, (laughs) and then I have just a little tray for sheets that I need for that day I have one of those little desk organizer things that holds like staples and like thumbtacks and oh, uh, paper clips yeah, yeah. and Joe, those kind of thing. You get like Mr. Price or Amazon. Yeah. 
and I also have um yeah, that's about it, I think, actually. And I have a spray and cloths for when I have to clean down the tables um, so that I don't forget to do it. Yeah. Um, so I kind of keep the desk space in front of me as decluttered as possible, and I use the storage space effectively. So obviously, if you don't have a lot of storage space, I would even just put boxes underneath your table and just put stuff into the boxes. I think if you can keep the on-desk, on-the-desk space nice and tidy, there's less chance of you getting cluttered yourself, like, mm. mentally. Yeah, just with your your displays as well um how like do you, do you put backing paper on your displays or do you keep them without the backing paper um so i have a bit of a mix to be honest so on the slide robes there was backing paper and the backing paper was in good nick so i didn't touch it yeah. and it had border paper whatever you want to call the border thing that yeah. was in good nick as well so i left that on and mm -hmm. um, what the art display um had black backing paper and i just thought it didn't it just looked a bit depressing to be honest so yeah. i took it off and behind it it was just this kind of grassy green color like mm -hmm. a kind of astroturf color i suppose you okay. could call it um but it looked really nice and because my art the actual word art was in light blue and the border paper or the border of the of the display was light blue I actually just left it as the green on the back because it actually just looked really nice. Yeah. So, uh, and same for the wow wall, I think. I don't even know they're all merging into one. Some of them <laughs> do have backing paper and some of them don't yeah. because what's behind the backing paper looks fine. On the slide robes, it doesn't have that nice green finish because they're literally just doors. So they just are kind of, I don't know, they like steel or wooden or whatever it's behind them. So I had to have backing paper on them. But with the display boards that you would have on a wall, they have like a nicer finish behind them. So you could leave them without um, backing paper quite easily, to be honest. And I was lucky that most of the room had backing paper on it. Mm -hmm. But um, I did go get a few bits from the likes of um, the Learning Store or Art by the Lee, which is in Cork, if anyone knows uh, Cork, they will know Art by the Lee. It's like the best teaching place ever <laughs> and so you're saying i have to take a visit there so i'm spending too much money in there already but um yeah <laughs> um but You'll yeah so shares. backing paper and borders are the main thing for the walls really for the display boards and yeah. then for the walls i kind of was just making sure i had lots of blue tack and pump tacks yeah putting stuff directly on a wall really that was about the height of it amazing um, so Adam, this is, I suppose, the last bit of the podcast where I generally ask the same questions to all the guests. Um, so what are your top three classroom tips? So when you told me you were going to ask me this question, Hayley, I'm not going to lie to you. I had to do a bit of a short list because I had about 20 that I wanted <laughs> to say. But I did put it down to three, I promise. So the first one I said is build solid relationships. And I mean this with your children. It's mm -hmm. really important that your whole year, whether it's an SET or even if it's just subbing for a day even, or if you're in the mainstream classroom, building solid relationships with the children is the foundation for learning, for fun, for everything. Yeah. Um, it's really, really important that you make the children feel valued in your classroom, listen to them and you know build that relationship where you show them look i care about you i'm not just your teacher i actually care about you and i want you to succeed so i think the relationship aspect of teaching is so important and it's becoming more and more important i think as years go on and children become exposed to things that we weren't exposed to when we were children you know yeah. they're exposed to a lot more now so i think building that sort of relationship is really really important mm -hmm. Um, my second tip is to take downtime. I think it's the one thing that we as teachers find really hard to do is to switch off from teaching. Like I know, Haley, you can probably sympathize with this. 
you know, coming home from school, but also having a teaching related side hustle, I suppose you could call it. So you're never really switching off from school. Mm -hmm. So I think it's really important that you take down time away from teaching just because you're busy with teaching. Do not give up everything else that's in your life. If you have hobbies, keep them up. Make sure you meet up with your friends. Like yeah. obviously don't put yourself under pressure. You don't need to meet people every day, mm -hmm. but don't feel that you can only have one or the other. Yeah. You need to try your best to find the balance. And some weeks you'll find a good balance and some weeks your balance just won't happen. And that's yeah. okay as well. But just try your best to give yourself downtime, even if that's just listening to the teacher cast or, <laughs> um, or just any other podcasts that are available um, or just chilling out or meeting friends or going for coffee or watching Netflix or whatever it is. Yeah. You know, take that downtime for yourself, I think. Yeah. Um, and my third tip, it kind of links to the first one. Listen to the children. Um, someone told me this before and it really resonated with me. Teaching and learning is a two-way process. Mm -hmm. um, you're teaching, they're learning, but they can teach you and you can learn from them as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. So it's very important that you listen to the children and include them in the classroom. You know, if they say, oh, I, like the whole class, like, oh my God, I love Harry Potter. And if you don't like Harry Potter, try and bring it in, you know, use their interests yeah. and listen to them. Yeah. Like I am trying and failing miserably, but I'm trying to kind of have time where I talk with the children one on one as much as I can throughout the day and just see how they're getting on and, you know, find out their interests and that kind of thing. And I think it's really important that you value and listen to the, the children in the classroom because it's it's not your classroom. It's our classroom, I suppose, is what I call it. I always tell them, I said, guys, this is not my classroom. This is not your classroom. This is our classroom. We're a team. So I will listen to you. You listen to me and we will work together. Mm. And that's kind of the way I look at that. It's a two way street, teaching yeah. and learning. That's kind of the I actually, the yesterday, Sylvan, I had, um, I had a child and she well, she sits like just under the, the classroom uh, rules poster and she actually got up and just started pointing at it to everyone. I was like, yes. <laughs> you're helping me <laughs> like it's the, as you said like it's their classroom but it's also your classroom so it's our classroom so mm -hmm. yeah I don't know I just thought that was really nice it was just something that came to mind when you mentioned yeah. it's a two-way street mm -hmm. um so what is a resource Adam that you can't live without in your classroom um I would say probably my microphone or my voice <laughs> amplifier depending what you have which is mad to think so I have to wear a microphone in the classroom because like I was saying earlier, I have one child that um, has a hearing impairment. So okay. I actually have to wear it because uh, while I have a speaker in the classroom, which amplifies the microphone, it also feeds directly into his ear. Yeah. So I literally have to um, use a microphone, but I'm so glad I have to use it because I would lose my voice so quickly because you're talking all day, even if you're not amplifying your voice necessarily yeah. or speaking up a lot you were speaking basically all day so yeah. i think it's really important that you don't be aware of your voice so the fact that i have a microphone and i have to use it yeah is amazing because it's around my neck i do I know, have one yeah. that i can hold I've in my one. hand but i do have a, as we call it a britney mic that i can hold in my hand but i rarely use that because i usually need my two hands for teaching mm -hmm. um because i use my hands when i talk as it is so yeah i would definitely say the resource that i can't live without is my microphone yeah, I've worn one of them actually when I was just doing some testing in a class at the first set at the start of the year. And I actually, it takes a second to get used to, but when you take it off, it's like, I think I need this in my life. Yeah, honestly, I'd wear it all day if I could get away yeah, with it. It's a big the speaker thing. The one thing you have thing. to remember though is to uh, take it off when you're going into the staff. <laughs> 
or muted or whatever the yeah. amount of times I've walked in and they're like teacher we can still hear you I'm like oh oops <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> yeah no it's a huge big speaker thing that's on the wall and i just yeah, yeah it's it's really really good because everyone can benefit from it um so it is really good what yeah, is definitely. sorry, sorry. <laughs> what is your funniest teaching moment then that you've come across i'm sure there's <sighs> plenty but if you could just tell us or share yeah one. i have one i've told this story before i think but i'm gonna retell it anyway so in my first set role way back in my lovely little five teacher school that I spoke about <laughs> earlier. Um, as part of my role, I did a lot of uh, literacy teaching with the senior infants because it was a multi-grade school. Um, so we kind of tried to support the multi-grade aspect as much yeah. as we could. Yeah. So I would meet the senior infants every morning for literacy for about an hour. Uh, one of the kids came up to me and literally the sweetest child in the world, like li- li- blue eyes, blonde hair, the biggest dote you've ever met in your life. And he came up to me, he was like, a teacher, because we went by our surnames in this school. Uh, I was like, yeah. And they were like, are you okay? I was like, <laughs> besides the fact that I'm tired, I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. What makes you ask? And he was like, it looks like someone hits you in the eyes. And I was like, what? So I like looked, I got my phone and put on my camera and I looked, I was just so tired. I had two big purple bags under my eyes. And the child thought I'd have to be beaten up on the way out to Royal Carey. I was like, I can't cope with this. I literally looked that bad that the nicest child in the class told me I basically looked like a bag of you know what. So I was just, oh, I was skitting. Like when when you asked me to come up with this answer and I thought of it again, I was actually just started laughing out loud at the story. Like the poor child thought I'd been beaten up, but I was actually just sleep deprived. <laughs> oh, sure. That's just the norm, isn't it? When you start now and you're even especially like in your first year yeah. even subbing and doing a master's at the same time like being t- mm-hmm. I, I look at myself in the reflection as I close the porch of of my house um before I get in the car and I'm like because I, I generally wear SPF when I go to school so my face mm. still looks kind of glossy and I'm like I can see bags under those eyes but it's still gonna go <laughs> <laughs> uh, what is a quote Adam that you can't uh or sorry a quote that you live by um this is honestly one of my favorite parts when i'm listening to the podcast daily is i get to find out all these lovely new quotes um, that i can live by and i'm pretty sure i'm living by a whole book of quotes at this point (laughs) the one i chose was um be yourself because everyone else is taken so um it's something that resonates with me personally and um also that i try and exude with the kids um so like i spoke to you about this a little bit before but Mm -hmm. um I am bisexual, I came out as bisexual a year ago. And I suppose when I was younger, I was kind of very afraid to live that side of my life. Mm -hmm. And it took until I was 23, like to come out. So Mm -hmm. I suppose that was a really important quote for me because I was like, I wasn't being myself. I wasn't being my authentic self through like school and college and stuff because Mm -hmm. I was afraid of the reaction. So it's something that is really important to me. And now I'm lucky, I suppose, I teach in a a very welcoming school and I teach in an Educate Together school where we have a wide range of uh, different age teachers, different sexual orientations. We are obviously very inclusive as an Educate Together school. We have a lot of different children uh, of different backgrounds, different sexual orientations, all that kind of thing. Um, So I always kind of stress that with my kids, you know, like be yourself because everyone else is taken. There's no point in trying to blend in or be someone else. Yeah, It's really important to, you know, be yourself because like you're amazing as it is. So I think that's something that I try to live by myself and that I try and kind of 
pass on to the kids I love that that's really nice because you can really resonate with the child that maybe isn't feeling like they're being themselves you know mm-hmm. um yeah I love that Adam thanks so much for sharing that with me um no, and no, my no. and the listeners as well I was just gonna ask is there anything that you would like to ask me at this part of the podcast Oh my goodness. Um okay Haley, what what a possible question could I ask you? Um I suppose um what was your biggest um misconception about SET that has been debunked, I suppose, since you've had a little bit of time in SET? Something you thought about SET that proved to be untrue? Um yeah, that's actually a really good question. I I'm not too sure. I suppose the amount of um, testing and paperwork and planning that goes in behind it as well, um, you know, how much you really need to work with all the schedules of the year groups that you're working with because you might have a child booked in to take out because of their needs. They have a certain amount of time that they need one-on-one and that sometimes can become impossible between one-to-one testing um you know all the calculations that go behind that how you know that affects them and how important it is to get it done at a certain time of the year um so that you can see the progression throughout the year but like they could be on in pe or they could be in the computer room or they might not be in and just you have to be so flexible in the role and really you know as well you can be you can be pulled into classes as well last minute like for example yesterday I I thought I was back up with third fourth and I was actually in with first class so it's literally and then like you know especially with COVID you might have half the school going on one time frame and then the other half on another time frame like their lunch times and starting school and finishing school is all different so you really need to be so aware of the school this is something that I didn't realise that you have to be so aware of how the school runs in and out. Um, and yeah, I suppose that's a big preconception that I, I not that I assume, but that I just didn't know. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I remember it was my first day and I was meeting with the set teachers and they were talking to me about yark testing. And I was like, sorry, what is a yark test? I like, <laughs> well, you just don't know. Like, it's yeah. just, it's not taught to you in college. Um, things yeah. like that and Chanel testing and health how to calculate their spelling age and all this stuff but I really think now when I qualify all this subbing and set has really stood to me because I really think then when a set teacher comes to me and says listen what are the best times I'm going to try my best to be as organized as I can to say well here you go and let's work on this mm-hmm. together rather than them going off and figuring out themselves and um, I think that's something that needs to be addressed and highlighted yeah I know that makes that makes perfect sense like I see that this year now being in the mainstream teacher being the mainstream teacher and then working with my SCT who like I know very well anyway we worked together last year as well yeah. so you know I can see it from her perspective I'm like okay I'm going to try and be as organized as I can for you because I know you're kind of depending on my organization yeah. for you to get organized and yeah there is a lot that goes on in SCT and I I don't think too many people think it anymore, but I think people used to think that SET was kind of, okay, I need a break. So I'm going to go into SET for a year. Like, yes, there are different challenges from the mainstream to SET. Like, yes, mm. you don't have the classroom management aspect in mm. dealing with 28 kids every day, but there's so much that's evolved in SET and you have to be so dependent on other people. Mm. So I definitely don't think, if you think they're going into SET, is going to be a year off for you. <laughs> I'm sorry, but you're sadly mistaken. So, mm. um, But it is an amazing role. I loved being in it for the two years I was I, I was in it for sure. 
yeah absolutely I'd love to have you on again Adam and chatting about all your time at SCT because I really think absolutely. there's so I much to. to talk about with that um, so yeah. Adam I suppose this is c- coming to the end of the episode now so I'm going to hand it over to you maybe where people can find you how they can best contact you what you post about um, and yeah thanks so much for being a guest Thank you. So uh, first day I want to say, Hayley, thank you so much for having me on. As you know, I am like one of your biggest fans. <laughs> I was so excited when you told me oh, that so you wanted funny. me on the podcast. I literally um, weak for everything you do. So well <laughs> done, well done the, on the podcast. You were one of the um, first accounts I've ever followed when I <sighs> came across teaching accounts. So it's so great having you on and us becoming friends and, yeah. you know, that's so great That's the thing. we are we are actually which is great we're genuinely friends like as in i like as in Haley. i know you since like pre your first application to high like that's how long we go back and like i know you go back further with some people but i'm like we you're we're day one like, <laughs> i remember back when you were applying for hibernia the first time and like obviously all of that mess that went on that time and then you yeah. getting in the second time and do you know coming to this point and like honestly i am like immense this is very like big brother immensely proud of you no i think oh, you're older than me Haley, but big brother proud of you anyway regardless um very like proud of how far you've come in such a small space of time so Thanks i suppose so they fair play to you for that um and i suppose that my myself um you can find me at mr moon that's at m-i-s-t-e-r underscore m-u-i-n-t-e-o-i-r underscore don't forget the last one or you won't find it um um yeah on my page i post about at the moment i'm kind of posting about my journey as a second class teacher but if you scroll back i have lots of stuff on sct i also have a highlight where you can find teachers of different class levels if you're looking to follow different teachers and what class they have you know if you're in first class second class whatever it is you might find other teachers and that Mm -hmm. highlight um, I also run webinars with the Education Centre in Chile. So depending when this comes out, there might be one coming up. So check out my page or the Education Centre Chile to see if I have an NQT um, webinar coming up. And yeah, I also I have a math store as well that is on my page. You can see it in my bio if you're interested in any SCT resources, guides for subbing and SCT um, and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I have all those bits on my page. and. Yeah, just give me a follow. That would be great. <laughs> I love chatting to everyone. So feel free. I, I try to respond to DMs as much as I can. So I always try and help and never never consider a question a silly question because someone's probably asked me that before mm-hmm. or someone would ask me it again. So yeah, that's kind of me. Um so yeah, that's that's me. Um so thank I you, Haley. I really appreciate you. Thanks. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Thank you.